singing, and so that should be a blessing. If you would please take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 8. Um, if you don't have a Bible with you, it's page 1047. For all who are present with us today, you notice something different about the platform setup. Uh, we're usually fairly symmetrical up here, but uh, we've removed one of the screens, and of course, we have opened up uh, this section here. We removed that false wall, and uh, we're set up for a baptism today. And some people might have the question, well, what is this for? Or maybe the question is better, who is this for? And it's my contention that this, what we're doing today, is for all of us that are here. You are privileged to be a part of this service today. And there are some that will be involved in different ways. But I hope that when we come to the end of our time in Acts chapter 8, you will see that you have a part in what we are doing here that's a little bit unique, maybe somewhat special, maybe more special for some than others on this day. We are going to be celebrating, and I want for us to ask this question, it's the title of the sermon, who should not be baptized? It's a fairly good question to ask, good uh, question for you to have an answer to. We're in Acts chapter 8, and I want for, uh, we're going to read a long section starting in verse 26, and this is a, a wonderful narrative um, of the early church when... Uh, when one of the deacons was told to go and to meet a man. His name was Philip, starting in verse 26 of Acts 8. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure, he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet, and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before his shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. 
And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is a special day for us as a church family, a special day for a few people in, in, in particular. And I want for us to ask and answer a couple questions about baptism today. Um, baptism is, can be confusing uh, to some people. Uh, baptism can be a huge encouragement to a church family. And so it's appropriate for us to have answers to these questions. First question, why do we baptize? Why, why are we doing this? It's a good question to ask about everything that we would do in a local church. Why is it that we're doing this? The answer comes from Jesus' final words to his followers in Matthew. And it, actually, the book of Matthew closes out just before Jesus goes up into heaven. He tells his followers exactly what to do in Matthew 28, verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so why do we baptize? Well, we baptize, first of all, because it's a command. Jesus Christ gave this command to, it's fair to say, two groups of people. First of all, to churches. As a local church, we have a responsibility to baptize um, individuals that have followed Jesus Christ. That's the first group that's speaking to. The other group is individuals who have received Christ. Just a few minutes ago, we invited all of you, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, if you've been saved or born again, we invited you to participate in communion. Communion is also a command. An individual who goes months and years without joining with his local church for communion is in disobedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Baptism is a command. It's a command for the church. It's a command for those who accepted Jesus. And I, I want to slow down just a little bit because I hate for anybody to be doing any of these things out of guilt. It's just the worst motivation for us to do things. So let me play all my cards right now up front. If there's someone as a result of this service that wants to get baptized, I hope it's not because you felt guilty. Instead, I hope it's because of the joy that you have because Jesus Christ has saved you. God gives us the opportunity to respond to him by sharing a testimony. Why do we baptize? First of all, because it's a command, not an option, but a command. Next question, what is baptism? How would you answer that question if somebody asked you that? What is baptism? There's no doubt that it is a topic of contention, Even among followers of Jesus Christ, they might disagree um, on some of the details of baptism. In fact, it was about 13 years ago. I can remember talking to um, a woman at the church where I was serving as youth pastor at, and I asked her about her faith. I said, well, when did you come to Jesus Christ? 
And her response was, I was baptized when I was such and such an age. I didn't have a huge struggle with that, but I was half tempted to ask the exact same question again. Baptism can become confusing because a lot of people um, will tie when they got baptized to when they got saved. And it's not a problem to tie those things together. But it is a problem to equate those things. We are saved by faith in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross when we realize that we're sinners. And we come to a point where we realize we are enemies of God. We're destined for a place called hell unless we accept this gift of salvation. And that is, should be, your story of salvation. Something that involves that. Now maybe it was a watershed moment for you. You remember it very clearly. Even the date, the place where you were at. For some, if you're like me, you were raised in a Christian home. And so you heard that Jesus was God since before you even knew what that meant. So you've always understood this idea that Jesus died for your sins. But there has to come some point where it becomes personal for you, where you accept Christ. Baptism can be a point of contention. Uh, There are some denominations that will baptize immediately when someone gets saved. There's nothing wrong with that, as long as we're not saying that that baptism is a part of the salvation. What the baptism is, is it's a confession of that personal faith, or or a picture, if you will. It's an opportunity for someone to let others know, I I have decided to follow Jesus Christ. And this is what happened just about two months ago. I was standing in the main foyer on a Sunday, and a young lady comes walking up. Pastor Jeremy, I I got saved. And I gave her a hug, and I was excited, and I said, well, tell me about it. And she told me how the Lord worked in her heart to bring her to a place where she got saved. She'll be getting baptized later on today. Now, what if I would have stopped everything right then and and stopped all of you and said, Gordy, come here, listen to this. Oh, hold on a second. Sally, come over here. You got to hear this. Daniel, Eleanor, Lonnie. And what if we just stopped everything to tell everybody? You got to hear this. Is that a good thing to hear that testimony, that story? It sure is. But it doesn't seem real practical for us to make a big old line at that point. I'm saying that a little bit in jest. But in a very real way, the Lord Jesus Christ has given us a way for someone to give a public confession of their faith in Jesus Christ. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, you should not be ashamed of it. You should be screaming from the rooftops. You should be coming in and and telling everyone that loves you. If you've got children or grandchildren in this church, it is very likely they have been prayed for by name for their salvation. And you need to be telling, my son got saved, my daughter got saved. You need to be leading them to that point. Baptism can be confusing, but what it is, is it's a picture of what Jesus Christ did in your heart. We, uh, a little more than two years ago, we started a new spot on the radio, of which I was the star. Not really, not really, but uh, in this folder here, I have uh, testimonies. We called the spot. It happened Monday through Friday um, at a little bit after 5 o'clock on the radio. Does anybody remember that spot? Remember that? We called it, Let the Redeemed of the Lord Say So. 
Everybody has a story. If, if they know Jesus Christ, they have a story of what brought them to that point. And so we started on the radio during that horrible season of COVID sharing testimonies. I reached out to many people and said, would you share your story of how you know you're a believer? And folks were so good. Some have handwritten letters that I have saved here. Some type them out. And so we start out by saying, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Today's story comes from David. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Today's story from joy. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Today's story from Greg. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Today we'll hear Tim's story. We had opportunity to put out over the air these testimonies of how people came to Jesus Christ. Now, did the fact that I read these testimonies over the air get them into heaven? Did that do anything to get them into heaven? Shake your heads yes or no. No. It's just a picture. It's a presentation of what Jesus did for them. This is probably my favorite notebook I have in my office. Sometimes I'll pick it up and go through it. And by the way, if you have not written out your testimony, I, I hope you know it. Hope you're confident today that you're on your way to heaven. If you've not done that, I recommend very strongly that you write that testimony out. So what is baptism? A confession of personal faith. And then how do we baptize? Different churches will do different things. Um, we, ab- we baptize by immersion here um, in our local church. Um, I think that is the closest thing to the Bible pattern, that they would immerse the people in water. When we immerse them, it gives that beautiful picture of Jesus Christ who died was buried and raised again. We're going to see that here in just a few moments. There are some churches that uh, will baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit like we do. Some churches will actually dunk three times and uh, one for each part of the Godhead. Isn't that interesting? Let's go ahead and talk about this Ethiopian man just for a moment. We read through his story and what do we know about him from this story that we see? Well, the first thing that we can know about him is that he was a worshiper. Well, hold on a second, you're saying. He didn't even know about Jesus Christ. How could he be a worshiper? And yet it says right there, if you're open to Acts chapter 8, look at 27. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to, what does it say? Worship. But he didn't know Jesus Christ. There are people all around us that are seeking. Is there life after death? Certainly, I'm not the most important person in the world. There must be something greater than me, than my family. A bigger picture. There are people who are seeking. And this individual, wonderfully, God supernaturally got involved and told Philip, run over there and you're going to explain about Jesus Christ to this man. And I can almost guarantee none of you are going to get a whisper in your ear. I want you to go over here and start walking next to this guy in this bicycle because you're going to explain Christ to him. And yet you're still expected to do it. So I need you to take the glasses of looking for individuals that are seeking and put them on. 
And so all around you, you would see someone and wonder, I wonder if they know Christ. I wonder what God has done in their life to bring them to this point where maybe I could share with them my faith. He was a worshiper even though he didn't know Jesus Christ. What else do we know of this man? Even though he was searching, first of all, but then he was also a reader. He was a reader. Verse 28 and was returning seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And so I just grin a little bit on the inside because I think this guy probably is a whole lot like a lot of us sometimes. We're reading through, but honestly, we don't really understand what we're reading. Anybody else in that boat ever? Thank you for joining with me on that. He was reading through Isaiah, but he didn't know what he was reading. And in this way, you and I need to be consistent with taking in the Word of God, but understand people might have heard the gospel, but they might not understand it. And then finally, we see about him that he was an inquirer. He was an inquirer. Verse 31, and he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And Philip's able to tell him that he knew that one that was spoken about in Isaiah, speaking of a Messiah, speaking of one who would come, and Philip knew that one. His name was Jesus, and today you can be saved. And so he was seeking to worship, he was looking in the Scriptures, and God brought along someone who knew Jesus Christ to him. And so Philip answers our question for us. What? Let me ask you the question. Philip heard about the gospel, he accepted Jesus Christ, and now he's saved. And then he asked the question, let me ask it to you, and you answer out loud. What prevented the Ethiopian from being baptized? And the answer is, nothing. There was nothing to stop him from being baptized. And today, we celebrate, not out of guilt, but out of joy. We celebrate what Jesus told us to do. We as a church have been told to preach the gospel. When someone responds, they get baptized and show everybody out there, I'm a follower of Jesus. Praise God for that. And then we help train them to be a disciple. The expression, a picture is worth a thousand words, comes to mind. And so the Bible tells you, and the Bible tells me, If you are bought by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have been born again, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Would you pray with me? Gracious Father, how wonderful that you know us by name. How wonderful that you know our pain. How wonderful that you know our joys, and how wonderful that you have made available to each and every man and woman and boy and girl in this world forgiveness, forgiveness of our sins because of what we have done. Jesus Christ went to the cross, and so we praise you for that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for opening our eyes one day. I thank you for my story of how I came to know that I was a sinner and that Christ paid for my sin, but I could have forgiveness. And I would pray even in this moment now for anyone who's not confident that they're a follower of Christ, 
Maybe they're holding on to something besides a confession of faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe they're hoping they'll go to heaven. Maybe they're not sure what all this means. Lord, may today be the day of their salvation. May we wonderfully see you work in their heart. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm going to ask the piano to play through. As the piano plays through, we want to give you a chance to pray. If God's leading you to call out to him for salvation today, please do so right in this moment. If God's working in your heart in some other way, we'd invite you to pray.